Well, let's take a look at Genesis chapter 10 this morning. So you can please open your Bibles there, Genesis 10. Now, as I prepared this week for this morning's teaching, I have been amazed at the amount of information available to us today in regards to the beginning of the nations. And chapter 10 here is about that. It's about the beginning of the nations. Um, Chapter 10 has often been called the table of nations, chapter 10 of Genesis. But again, there's just so much that one can study on this topic. And today, as we go through this, um, I will only be able to just scratch the surface of this topic. Um, I guess I could probably take the time to spend a month of Sundays on this topic, but I'm more inclined to just, you know, my style of teaching is I like to whet your appetite and then encourage you to dig deeper into the Word of God on your own. But the topic of how the nations of people began is indeed a very fascinating topic, and I hope that you will dig deeper. Personally, I hope to spend a lot more time on my own personal study time on this topic that we're looking at this morning. But you see, in this chapter, we find ourselves. Um, In other words, where we came from as it pertains to who we are as physical beings on this earth. You and me are descendants from one of three people, Shem, Ham, or Japheth, right? It really is a small world after all when you break it down like this. We really are cousins of each other, right? It may be distant cousins, but we really are cousins, okay? And we will take a look at Shem, Ham, and Japheth this morning, though again, as I've already stated, this look that will be taken, again, will just be barely scratching the surface of what is available to study on this topic here. Now, of course, thus far in Genesis, We have studied the account of creation, which, of course, included mankind. We've seen the fall of mankind and their expulsion from the Garden of Eden thus far in Genesis. Of course, God made all things good, including mankind. But since mankind was created in the image of God, this gave us the ability to think and to reason and to make decisions, right? And mankind, of course, made the wrong decision. And sin entered the picture. And the simple thing for mankind to have done from the beginning would have been to just remain obedient to God's instructions and all would have been well. All would have been well. But now, as I think about that right now, we have the same choice before us today. We have instructions from God. I like the uh, acronym for Bible, right? B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before leaving earth. Okay, it's basic instructions before leaving earth. And we have those instructions in front of us today. We still have the words of God that we can choose to be obedient to or not, right? But instead, man made the wrong choice in the beginning and was forced to leave this paradise that God had given them. Sin then began to run rampant on the earth. And God then came to a place where he decided to destroy everything that had breath on the face of the earth. And he only saved one family. And that, of course, was the family of Noah. 
this flood, then the flood came upon the earth. And of course, Noah and his family were safe inside of the ark that God had instructed him to build. The flood waters receded. And then God commanded Noah and his children to be fruitful and to populate the earth. And that's where we've come to today. The repopulation of the earth after the flood. And Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations, how it all began again from a people standpoint, right? And verse 1 of Genesis chapter 10 says, Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And sons were born to them after the flood. Now when you come to a chapter like this, it's often easy just to say, Mo, I wish I could skip over a chapter like this with all of these names and all of these people and all of that. But there is a study that you can do when you do come to, to chapters like this. So again, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, after the flood, were all descendants of them. And right off the bat here, we see that this is what we will be studying today in chapter 10, right? It says there in verse 1, the genealogy of the sons of Noah and the sons that were born to them after the flood. So we're not talking about daughters here, right? We're just talking about sons. That's the genealogy that we're following. Genesis does not give us a list of the daughters. Shem and Ham and Japheth, of course, had daughters, or else they would have not have been able to populate the earth again, right? As God had told them to do, okay? But we are just talking about the sons that were born to them here. Now, the name Shem means name. That's its basic meaning. But it also carries the meaning of reputation, fame, and glory, okay? The name Ham means hot or black, dark skin. Okay? The name Japheth means expansion or enlarge, which to me is very intriguing because it is the descendants of Japheth, as we will see, that would spread out into most of the land on the earth. And we'll talk about more of this as we go along. But let's start here by first touching on Noah's son Shem. The majority of Bible scholars and even most historians collaborate on the fact that most of the descendants of Shem stayed in the Middle East after the flood. The descendants of Shem include the Hebrews, the Persians, and the Assyrians. Modern-day Arabs and Jews trace their lineage back to Shem. Many Arabic nomad tribes also claim that they descended from Shem as well. A nomad, of course, is a person that is of a tribe or a people that have no permanent home, right? They just travel from place to place looking to find pasture for their livestock. But the descendants of Shem are often called Semites or the Semitic people. That word Shem, Shemite was the original word. We get the word Semite from it or Semitic. These are the Semitic peoples. Today, the term Semite refers to people who speak uh, any of the Semitic languages. The people of today that speak Semitic, lang the Semitic languages include the Arabs and the Jews, right? Several centuries before the Christian era or before the early Christian church, that is, hundreds of years before that, many ancient Semitic populations of people were migrating in large numbers to Arabia 
and Mesopotamia and the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and the Nile River Delta there, right? It's kind of, it'd be nice if we had a big world map here today in front of us as we talk about all this. But Jews and other Semites settle in villages in Judea and southern Palestine, that whole area there, right? But there are also many Semitic-speaking people in North Africa as well. I have an article that I found in my research this week from Reuters News from 2012, and that you can, I can make a copy of it if you're interested in it, but it gives you a little more insight into the North African Jews from a DNA standpoint, right? So that's a very brief introduction to Shem. But the descendants of um, Noah's son Ham, as the Bible records them, are the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, the Canaanites, the Phoenicians, the Hittites from a biblical standpoint. Ham's descendants appear to be the first ones to fill the earth as they were the early settlers of Africa, Asia, Australia, the South Pacific and even the Americas. Think about that. Ham's descendants were ones that went in, they came out of what you would call the cradle of civilization, where it all began, right? Where Noah's Ark settled on Mount Ararat and all that. Of course, the Garden of Eden was originally in that area. But they came out of there, the descendants of Ham, and they went into North Africa, spread across North Africa, on down into South America, then on in South America, on up into Mexico, and then into the Americas. Okay, these are the descendants of Ham. Some of the people groups to come from Noah's son Ham were also the some Asians and Orientals, the Chinese, the Taiwanese, the uh, Tibetans, the Vietnamese, the Croatians, or the um, Le- what are they called? Laotians, Laotians. I don't know how they say that. The Cambodians, the Japanese, the Malaysians, the Filipinos the Hawaiians, the Eskimos, and the American Indians, okay? That's the people that all came out and settled through Africa and on up, like I said, into the Americas. They are from, they trace back to Ham. Historians have traced these people all the way back to Canaan, which of course was Ham's son, So closer to home for me and you, the American Indians are descendants of Ham slash Ham's son, Cain. Okay? Now from Noah's son, Japheth, the third son, right? He's actually the oldest son. But his descendants migrated into Europe and parts of Central Asia. From the line of Japheth would come some of the Greeks, the Romans, the Spaniards, the Celts, the Scythians, and the Medes, right? And I'll be repetitive on some of this stuff as we go on this morning, but repetition is the mother of all learning. And again, it's fascinating just to know where we all trace back to. Verse 2, though, says the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. Okay, so the sons we're talking about now are the sons of Japheth. That's what we're going to look at. Now remember, Japheth, along with his brother Shem, if you remember, they were greatly blessed for respecting their father Noah. We saw that last week when we studied chapter 9. Noah's blessing on Shem and Japheth was far-reaching for all their descendants. Okay? Again, from the line of Japheth would come the Europeans and some of those from Central Asia 
and the Greeks, the Romans, the Spaniards, and the Celts, and the Medes, and such, right? From Japheth's group would also, would also come a lot of the philosophers. Most of the world's philosophers today would have come from that group of people. Okay, now keep in mind, the ark set ground on Mount Ararat, right? We've studied that. Noah and his family got off of the ark there, and over a period of time, the sons of Noah had many sons and many daughters, by whom, again, the earth began to be repopulated, just as God told them to do, to populate the earth again. And this part of the world where Mount Ararat is, is modern-day Turkey. Mount Ararat is on the far eastern side of Turkey, very close to Armenia today, right? And this is the, this is the place from which the whole world would begin to be populated again. Like I said, it's often called the cradle of civilization because all of civilization came out of this one area. So again, from Noah's son Japheth, these descendants of his son Gomer after the Tower of Babel, okay, now that's important. This is after the Tower of Babel, even though we're going to talk about the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, but after the Tower of Babel, they made their way north, Gomer's people did, the son of Japheth, and they settled in modern-day Europe. And if you look on a map, it would actually be just on the other side of the Black Sea where they settled in modern-day Ukraine. Okay? That was that part of Europe where Japheth's people went across and settled right now. I would be traced back to Gomer and ultimately his father, Japheth, right? But again, from Gomer would also come the French and the Spanish and the Italians and many other people groups. But again, I want to remind you of what we are seeing taking place here, and that is we're studying about how the earth got to be repopulated again after the flood and what happened with Noah and his family, right? Now, if we continue to look at the names of the sons of Japheth there in verse 2, you'll see the name Magog. The people of Magog would settle in the very far north of the continent of Europe, right? And they would be what we know of today as the modern-day Russian people, right? But, of course, of this people group is not only the Russians that came from it. Of course, it would also include the Yugoslavians, the Finns, the Siberians, the Czechs, the Croatians, the Bosnians, and the, the Slovenians, all up in that part of that northern part of that continent of Europe, right? Then next on the list there, in verse 2, we see the name Madai. From Madai would come some of the Medes and the Persians and the Kurds, the Afghans and the Pakistani people, right, would come from that group. Then next you see Javan or Javan. Some of these folks that would come from Javan would be the Greeks, the Macedonians, this, the parts of the Spanish and the Italians and the Portuguese people, okay? Then next on the list you see Tubal. From Tubal would come some of the Iberian, parts of the Irish, other parts of the Spanish people, and even some of the Siberian people that migrated into that way as well. Um, from Meshach would come the Levatians, the Lithuanians, and the Romanians, just to name a few. Now, just a quick note for you here. As I did this research for this teaching, there are a whole bunch of people groups that came from these sons of Japheth and the sons of Ham, you know, 
and, uh, and the sons of Shem, for that matter, that I'm not listing for you because, quite frankly, I've never heard of some of these people groups, and I didn't even know how to pronounce their name or want to try and spend the time to do it in front of you. Right? But the people of Japheth, they did indeed, um, it, it does indeed speak to the fact that what that name Japheth means is that God will enlarge them. God did enlarge that group of people. And they spread out through a huge part of the world. Okay? But I'm just listing for you, for you some of the ones that are familiar to us today. But next on the list there you see Tiras, right? From Tiras would come the Scandinavians, the Swedish, the Norwegians, the Danish, the Icelandic, and the Baltic people all spread out from there. So we've just looked at seven sons of Japheth right there. Verse 3 will begin to name the name of the sons of those seven sons of Japheth, right? In other words, Japheth's grandchildren. The sons of Gomer, right? It says, and that's Japheth's son that we just covered, right? The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togomar. The sons of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanium. From these, the coastland peoples of the Gentiles were separated into their lands. Everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. So again, we see that language thing being brought up, right? So notice there, they're separated according to their languages. When did they get their own language? Well, that happened at the Tower of Babel, which we will see when we get to chapter 11. Prior though, this is important, prior to God confusing the people's language, we all spoke the same language. Everybody spoke the same language on the earth prior to the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel changed everything. And verse 6 continues and says, the sons of Ham and the sons of Ham were Cush, Mishraim, Put, and Canaan. So we looked at the sons of Japheth, right? The one son of Noah. And now we're going to look at the sons of Ham. Cush, Mishraim, Put, and Canaan. The name Cush, much like the name Ham, his father, means black. And from Cush would come the Ethiopians, those from Ghana, the Africans, the Bushmans, the Pygmies, the Australian uh, Aborigines, and the New Guineas, just to name a few, right? From Ham's son Misraim, there in verse 6, would come um, the Egyptians and the Coptic people, okay? And do you see the name Put there in verse 6? From Put would come the Tunisians, the Somalians, the Sudanese, and some of the North Africans. And the last one on the list in verse 6 is the name Canaan. And from Canaan would come, of course, the Canaanites of the Bible, but also the Asians, the Orientals, and the, whole, the Chinese and the Taiwanese, who I mentioned earlier, the Vietnamese and all of them, and uh, the Polynesians and the American Indians, all of them came from Canaan. Remember, we talked, I mentioned all them earlier because they were hams, they came from Ham, but now we see we're breaking it down. They came more specifically from Canaan. And that's where those people came from. 
Okay? And, and again, these were the first people that were really to go out and become settlers and, and you know, go out and get you know, more land and more land. Hence the reason that the Indians were on this land before the Japheth people came to this land, right? The Japheth people that would spread out into the British Isles and all that, we know would eventually come over into the Americas. But when they got here, they found the American Indians who were descendants of, of Ham. Okay. So it all traces back to that. But it's interesting to me as I was doing this study as well to realize that when we think about this stuff, we, we think about ancient history. But if you think about America, it really wasn't full. I mean, yeah, the American <laughs> Indians were there. The descendants of Ham were there, but they weren't there. This, this land wasn't as populated as it is today until those people of Japheth who the, the Europeans came over and began to populate it. So it's only been within the last 250 years that the earth has really kind of, you could say, completed being populated. I mean, I know there's areas out there where there's not people, but for the most part, from a continental standpoint, it's only been within the last 250 years that, that this part of North America has really. So it's not that ancient history to us. So this is very close to us. These people are very close to us, and we all trace back in this room in various ways to these people, right, that we're talking about. So is all this kind of making a little sense to you, <laughs> right? But verse 7, we'll begin to talk about the sons of the sons of Ham. In other words, Ham's grandsons. And it says, the sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabath, Ramah, and Sabakta. And the sons of Ramah were Sheba and Dathan. Cush begot Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said, like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erect, Akkad, and Kainai. In the land of Shinar. From that land he went to Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehoboth, Ir, Kalah. And resin between Nineveh and Kalah. That is the principal city. So right there, it's interesting. As we're going through this genealogy, all of a sudden we get six verses that are dedicated to one man, Nimrod. Right? After we're going through all of that. He was a mighty man on the earth, it says, and he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Now, as you dig deeper into the study of this man's life, Nimrod, you'll find out that, yes, he was a mighty one on the earth in that he had power and he had influence over people of that day. But he was a vile man. Okay? He actually stood in direct opposition to God. Josephus, a man that was an ancient historian, wrote of Nimrod, and he quotes Nimrod as saying that he would be revenged on God. He, Nimrod said, if God would ever have a mind to get again to drown the whole world with a flood, he said that I will build a tower too high for the waters to reach, and I will avenge myself on God. This was the type of man that Nimrod was. He was an arrogant man. He was a vile man, but he was a man of power in that he got a lot of people to follow him all the way to Babel. 
And they began to build this tower in Babel, which we'll look at next week. Okay? But it was all in rebellion. And the name Nimrod means rebel. Okay? So the fact that he was a mighty hunter before the face of the Lord, as you see there, actually speaks to the fact that he was a hunter of men. And he did this in the face of the Lord. He did it arrogantly, in the Lord's sight, not caring at all about what the Lord God thought. Again, he was a despicable man. If you can picture Iraq on a map today, this is the area where Nimrod was about 20 miles from the city of Mosul, okay? And it shouldn't be too difficult to picture a man as being a tyrant from this part of the world since in recent years we saw another tyrant from this part of the world named Saddam Hussein, didn't we, right? So tyrants are not really uncommon to this part of the world, though tyrants have existed in every part of the world, right? But It's just the fallen world in which we live, and sin destroys everything, isn't it? But Nimrod was an arrogant man who stood in the face of God, right? But notice there in verse 10 that the beginning of Nimrod's kingdom, again, was Babel, right? So he had a tremendous amount of influence, and his goal, which he indeed succeeded at his goal, was to turn people's eyes off of God. And Nimrod was a builder of cities, And more specifically, he loved to build towers, right? Again, which we'll talk about in chapter 11. But, so back on the topic now of the genealogy here, the sons of Ham, verses 13 through 19, continue to break down more information for us about his people. But the important note that would be what, what we would see down at the end of verse 18, and yes, I am skipping over pronouncing these names for you, but down at the end of verse 18 where it says, afterward the families of the Canaanites were dispersed, and the border of the Canaanites was from Sidon as you go toward Gerar as far as Gaza, and then as you go towards Sodom and Gomorrah, or Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama and Zebulim as far as Lasha. Now, why do I say that that's an important note? Well, we're told there that the Canaanites were dispersed. And part of the area into which they were dispersed, the Canaanites were Sodom and was Sodom and Gomorrah. Who were the Canaanites? The sons of Canaan. Who was Canaan? The son of Ham, right? And remember, Noah cursed Canaan for what Ham had done to Noah when Noah was passed out from the wine. We studied that last week, right? And Noah cursed Ham's son Canaan as a result. And Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, where these people were dispersed and settled to, what was it ended up being known for? What pops into our mind, right? Sexual immorality, right? the people of Canaan would continue in sexual sin, at least as it pertained to Sodom and Gomorrah. And for that sexual sin, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Okay, And all of this ties back to that time when Noah was drunk on wine in his tent and Ham came along and Noah said, I know what he did to me. And he cursed 
his son Canaan. And now we're seeing the results. We're seeing the Canaanite people dispersed out. And we see them go into a city like Sodom and Gomorrah. And ultimately we see that portion of those people being destroyed for their sexual immorality, their wickedness before God. Okay? So we see what happens basically from Ham and on down through his children, Nimrod, and you know, and we come to the Canaanites and everything that happened with these people, right? So then verse 20 moving on says, These were the sons of Ham, according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands and in their nations. Then here in verse 21, we'll begin to talk about Noah's son Shem. Okay, it'll break him down here, right? And children were born also to Shem, the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth the elder. That's how we know Japheth was the oldest. The Bible tells us Japheth the elder. Okay, so we get a clue on something right there as far as that goes. Japheth was the older, the, the elder one, right? The order of Noah's sons was actually Japheth, Shem, and then Ham. Ham was the youngest. But verse 22 tells us the sons of Shem were Elam, Asher, Arphaxad, Lud, and Aram. Okay, so just as we did with the sons of Japheth and Ham, we will briefly now take a look at the sons of Shem. First, we see the name Elam. The descendants of Elam settled northeast of the Persian Gulf. It appears that they settled in Mesopotamia, northwest of modern-day Baghdad, right? But they later moved in to Persia slash Iran. But again, as I mentioned earlier, keep in mind that Shem's people pretty much stayed in the Middle East part of the world there. Shem's descendants are the Semitic people. And they established, of course, the three great religions of the world, right? The three big religions of the world, Judaism, Mohammedism, and Christianity, right? That would come, all that would come out of Shem's people, all those people that stayed there in that Middle East area. And another um, son of Shem was Asher, right? From Asher would come the Assyrians and the northern Iraqis. These people settled between the Euphrates and the Tigris River. Next in verse 22 there is Arphaxad, right? Arphaxad descendants included the Chaldeans, which are the southern Iraqis of today. The Hebrews, right, come, came from Arphaxad. The Hebrews are, of course, the Israelites or the Jews, right? The Arabians, the slash uh, Bedouins, right? The Moabites, who are the Jordanians, and the Palestinians, okay? And all of those people are de descendants of Shem via Arphaxad. If you trace the lineage of Arphaxad all the way down, you'll come to Joseph, the father of Jesus, the earthly father of Jesus. He will trace all the way back to Arphaxad. So Jesus, in that sense, traces his lineage all the way back to Shem. Okay? So next on the list in verse 22 is the name Lud. The people groups that came from Lud were known to be from the city of Lydia, 
where Paul preached the gospel, where you can study that in Acts, right? They were known as the Lydians, and they seemed to mainly settle in what we know of today as Asia Minor, and uh, some also went into, portion of those people also went into North Africa. And the people of Aram, well, the next one on the list there is Aram, and the people of Aram are the Syrians, the Lebanese, and a remnant of that people group settled throughout Asia as well, and the Middle East and North Africa as well. So then in verse 23, the sons of Aram were Uz, Hol, Gether, and Mash. Arphaxad begot Salah, and Salah begot Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Now, I want to talk briefly about verses 24 and 25 there. Our Foxad begot Salah, and Salah begot Eber. Now, as I mentioned earlier, just a couple minutes ago there, if you trace the, the lineage of our Foxad, you come to the Hebrew people, right? And if you look at verse 21, you'll see that it says that Shem was the father, back at verse 21 there, Shem was the father of the children of Eber. There, these are the Hebrew children. In some spellings of Eber, you'll see an H in front of the, the capital E there, giving you the word Heber, right? But it's where the Hebrew people come from. But looking back at verse 25, we see that one of Eber's sons was Peleg, okay? Now, why am I pointing this out to you? Because I just want, want you to see how all of this just ties so well together. I want you to mark this page and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3. Luke, chapter 3. And again, I'm bringing up the name Peleg to you here. Then in Luke chapter 3, down in verse 23. It says, Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age, as was supposed the son of Joseph. Now, from here it's going to trace the lineage of Jesus all the way back to Adam. That's what's going to start in these verses. But what I want to show you is down in verse 35, where it says, The sons of Sarug, the son of Ru, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, or Selah, as we saw it in Genesis. So that's exactly what we're reading back in Genesis chapter 10. We saw where our Foxad had a son named Salah, or Shelah, who had a son named Eber, where the Hebrews came from, who had a son named Peleg. So I just thought it's interesting to show you that Jesus, raised by Joseph, would trace all the way back to the Hebrew people from the very beginning, the people of Shem. Okay? And as we turn back to Genesis chapter 10, go ahead and turn back there.
Okay, I'll let you read the names uh, in verses 26 through 30 on your own. <laughs> and looking down, though, at verse 31. Verse 31 says, These were the sons of Shem according to their families, according to their languages, in their lands, according to their nations. These were the families of the sons of Noah, according to their generations in their nations. And from these, the nations were divided on the earth after the flood. So that's how all the people groups got spread out through all the world after the flood. So to me, this is fascinating stuff, right? It's just, for me, it's just very intriguing. I spent actually about 15 hours putting this together, but it should open your eyes to a couple different things, right? To the fact that we've all come from one blood. And I know I've finished this chapter, but what I'd like for you to do is give me just a little more time here because I want to show you some a little bit more. And I want you to turn to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Again, when, when, when you take a look at the people and, and the cradle of civilization and where everything spread out from there, from Shem Ham and Japheth. And it, this began to spread. Now, an interesting point here is just popping into my mind is that from this point on in the Bible, as we begin to go through the rest of Genesis, we're going to be, it's all going to be about the people of Shem for the most part, right? These Semitic people. We're going to study the Hebrew people as we go through Genesis, as we go through Exodus. It's all going to be focused on that group of people. Then, of course, would come the Messiah from that group of people. Then, of course, the gospel would then begin to be spread throughout the whole world. But then in the book of Acts, it's interesting. You see where the, the gospel didn't just stay with the Jew. It went out to the Gentile as well. All the rest of the, the people of the nations of the world. And the gospel still goes forth to the Gentiles today. Right? But I'm just saying, as we're getting ready to continue to go through Genesis, and as we get into Exodus, we're going to be studying about the people of Shem, the Hebrews. That's who we're going to be looking at, right? But over here in Acts chapter 17, coming back to that thought about how small the world really is, and how we really all came from one blood. Why do I say that? Well, here in Acts chapter 17, down in verse 24, verse 24 of Acts 17, it says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So do you see what the apostle Paul's saying? He's an awesome God. He doesn't need anything from us. He's an awesome God. He made everything. He doesn't dwell in the little boxes that we make for him. He doesn't dwell in our little religions and such like that, right? He's an awesome God. He made everything, right? But verse 26, though, it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. That's what we've been studying here this morning, that God predetermined the boundaries 
of mankind, right? He's, God has made every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And every nation of men, all people have come from one blood. Do you realize God made blood once? Adam. And we've all come from that blood. So it's a small world after all, right? We all come from that. And, we, and as we've seen today, that for the nations of men, God has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So we're all from one blood. We all trace back to Shem, Ham, and Japheth in that sense after the flood. And to me, that's pretty cool. But you know, as I was done this study and as I was thinking about it last night, so many things were coming on to my mind in regards to this. When I was just thinking about Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Shem, for example, would represent... Actually, if you look into the New Testament, right? And you look at even just the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And you look at who took part in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Well, Shem did, right? Shem's people, the Hebrews, they were the ones that were morally responsible for saying, crucify him, crucify him, right? And what about Ham's people? Well, you know, Simon of Cyrene, who was, you know, they, they got him to carry the cross of Christ. He's from Ham's background, okay? And then the Romans trace back to Japheth. So you have all parts of the initial people that everybody came from since after the flood, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, even took place in the crucifixion. But then as I was even thinking deeper on that, Myself, personally, I'm just sharing with you something personal to me. But as I think about Shem, I think about him representing that religion, right? Where all the world religions came out of that, right? Or I should say the major religions, right? And, and, and representing spiritual Shem, right? And then you have Japheth representing the intellectual people of the world the philosophers that came out, the inventors that came out of the Japheth people, right? The mind, okay? So you have the spirit and the mind, right? And then when you think of Ham, Ham was the servant, okay? And and God calls us all to be servants, but it represents the body to me. And we are a spirit, the Bible says. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions, and we live inside of a body temporarily. It's a body, but it's who we are spiritually that matters first first and foremost. But we see all parts of the original Shem, Ham, and Japheth even within us. We're all from one blood, but we're spiritual beings. We have a, a, a mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body, and with our body we can be servants, servants of the Lord, and servants of one another. So when, as you study these things, you see that God is a God of order, and he has all things together. We're the ones that miss it. But it's all right here in his word where if we just want to dig deeper, we can find out more about ourselves and we can find out more importantly about what God's will is for our lives as individuals and who we are and who he has designed us to be. You know, hey, where do you come from? 
What, what did your people originally do on this earth? What, what was their makeup? You know, from the Shem, from Ham to Japheth. What was it? That's why we're here. But again, as I've often taught, and as we go, as we continue to study the Hebrew people, and as we continue to study through the Old Testament and back on into the New Testament again, Lord willing, we see that it all becomes about who we are spiritually. And it all becomes about knowing Jesus in our lives personally and growing in the knowledge of Him and growing spiritually. But there's just so much other stuff in the Word of God. Again, this is one of those chapters that's so easy to just look at and say, I'm not reading all those names and just move on, right? But there's so much to dig deeper into in regards to the Word of God. But let's pray.